This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Teenage Mutant Ninja Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Batman, Heroes in a Bat Shell. Huh? <laughs> hey, welcome to another episode of The Dork Knight. If you haven't guessed it, today we're going to be talking about Batman TMNT crossovers. And uh, absolutely amazing. Can't wait to get into this one. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Head on over to getdeadly.com to get the most amazing coffee you'll ever have. Local roaster right here in Connecticut. Along with the Dorkening Podcast Network, head on over to thedorkening.com for all the latest episodes of every show on a network right there. And uh, you can check out shows like Creator Spotlight, Comics Paradox, Wicked Horror Show, Retro Redoctopus. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. And without further ado, here is The Dark Knight. and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion <laughs> is advised. Hey, welcome to the Dork Night, where we dissect Batman every single week. My name's, uh, well, not every single week, but every other week. Well, anyway, my name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an awesome show scheduled for you today. We're going to be doing Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, an awesome, awesome uh, conjunction of properties. And uh, with that, we also have Brandon. Hey, uh, I, I, my name is Brandon Powers. You can find me here dissecting Batman every week. Well, not every week. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, I this this is a this is a fun one, gang. Um, I I I love uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Batman's in it too. So good times. We'll, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. It's great. Yeah, and speaking of love of turtles. Turtles. You could, yeah, you could think that a little. So, yeah. I do love turtles. I love turtles. So. turtles. My name is Justin Cooper, and I host the Epic Tales from the Sewers Ninja Turtles podcast. I even do the turtles' voices. Maybe some of them will come out tonight. Ooh, so, do one, do one, do one. I'll, I'll do my Donatello. Oh, take a look at this. We don't know what's going on here. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I can do their voices before they they mutated. There you go. Oh, perfect, right? Nailed it. <laughs> I think that was a giraffe. No, it's not <laughs> like an ele Siamese elephants, but they were joined to the trunks. <laughs> so whenever they tried to like blow air out and make a noise, you just each one of them would get really bulgy eyes instead. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're going to be talking about the graphic novel and uh, with some tie-ins to the movie that came out as well. So uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, it was uh, written by James Tinian IV and art by Freddie Williams II and Jeremy Caldwell as well. And uh, let's start with, you know, Justin, I know you absolutely love this book. <laughs> yeah. 
what gave me away. I, I remember when this came out, I saw it and I said, oh my God, this is just like when I was a kid and I was playing with like the action figures and Batman shows up and all that. And, and it's just, it's like Kismet, like two perfect properties that just meld perfectly together. And they got one of the best Batman scribes, you know, in the last 10 to 12 years, uh, James Tinian the fourth. And then Freddie Williams, the second, oh my God. You know, just amazing, amazing artwork on this one. Now, this came out what? Uh, was it 2010? Uh, let's see. Actually, sorry, 2016, was it? 16, 15, 16. See, I thought this came out a lot earlier than that. Uh, let's see. I got the actual book here. So, uh, so this book came out in 2016, but it would be copyright uh, 2015. Yep. So okay. that's when the individual issues came out, 2015. And that makes sense because the first movie came out uh, in, what, 2014? The re... The... Oh, the, the Bay movies, yep. Yeah, because they actually make a reference Do they? to them. Uh, well, the whole production. Uh, Michelangelo uh, shouts during one of the battles, uh, we're aliens, man, we're aliens. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing where Michael Bay was. Don't you just remember that famous line from the 2014 classic? Uh, well, I try this... not to remember anything about it, to be perfectly honest. Hey, they, they should have quoted the 2007 movie because that movie was great. Hey, listen, for as lackluster as the 2014 movie can be perceived as, we lucked out pretty hard because the original plans for that movie were abysmal. They, well, I mean, the, they, they were actually going to have them be aliens yeah. and like they were going to have William Fichter in it as uh, Schrader was going to be his name. And he was going to somehow end up becoming Shredder through the whole process of the movie. It sounded terrible. And uh, yeah, people people lost their collective minds when Michael Bay actually referred to them as aliens during a presentation to shareholders for Paramount and Nickelodeon. It, it was it was something else. I tells you, still Yeesh. better than Suicide Squad. I mean, that's a low fucking bar. So. Yeah, <laughs> still better than Morbius. Well, well here, here's <laughs> Morbius. No, 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 Lesbius, please. Oh, geez. <laughs> does he actually say it's Morbin time in the movie? He does not. No, where where did that come from? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just like a internet trolley. I mean, maybe he did say it. I don't know. I faded in and out. It's not a good movie. Uh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I've said that several times. I mean, I mean, not on the show so far, but give it time. If you, you bring it up again, I will that, say it again. You've said that several times tonight. <laughs> yes, that is true, but not on this show. That's <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, it was another show. I, yeah. I they reset. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The count just sets back to zero at the beginning of every show, buddy. <laughs> uh well, just to bring up another reference, the uh uh new Jurassic Park, um, the one with Chris Pratt, the first one, it was supposed to be dinosaurs with like uh weaponized dinosaurs. They like mounted guns to them. Oh, Fallen the Kingdom. Was it Fallen Kingdom? It, it was the first one with Chris Pratt. Wait. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was just Jurassic World. Yes, yes. Wait, hold on. What? Did you just the, the, say the, they wep weaponized fucking dinosaurs? The original concept was... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. You, you can actually find the concept art uh, out there, but... Uh... Dino Riders. But, 
But do you it happened want in to? the eighties? <laughs> no thanks. I've already played Turok on the N sixty four. Nice. <laughs> okay, I know we've gone totally off topic, but yeah, we're only six minutes in. Everybody yeah. gets it. <laughs> Sweet, we're talking about two rocks on a stone. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. Listen, <laughs> lizards, turtles—they're they're both green. Fuck so it. he and his father lit. No, it's good. <laughs> uh, so this was uh, published in conjunction with DC Comics and IDW Publishing, and uh, the main characters. Obviously, we're getting uh, Batman, the uh, the four turtles: Splinter, Robin, Shredder, Ra's al Ghul, Bane, Krang, and Joker. And uh, I believe there's a couple other characters in there as well. I would actually just like to Killer mention Croc. very yeah. quickly, oh, yeah, um, Croc, yeah. because uh, in this book, it's this is not a spoiler or anything before we get to it, but since you're listing a, a cast of characters, they uh, very much in this book uh, lay it down that his name is Raish Al Ghul because the turtles themselves, one of them, I think it might actually be Michelangelo, but it could be Raphael turns around and says who the hell is racial ghoul like says it like the word racial and ghoul oh, yeah yep and once i picked saw that i was like that's the closest confirmation i've ever gotten to the pronunciation of that fucking dude's name in any comic i've ever read so you know what thanks turtles you, they, they pull some the things in here and all of this is non-canon but it's not it's not an elseworld so it's it's just technically non-canon but um they they definitely mess with some things how so? Well, when you get to the when you get to the second book, it, it becomes more evident and all that on what they're doing. But um, I mean, it's it's not like when Batman throws a battering at Spawn and then like he always laced up his face from there. But it's like there's definitely some waves that it's like you would you would kind of see and, and more so like with the turtles, with how they react to Batman and stuff. But I mean, um. Yeah, it's 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 interesting too because it, it affects everything in in both universes. So it's 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 cool to, for them to get to play in the sandbox where they already have the universes built, and now it's just like, all right, let's just mix them together and see what happens. And that's another thing. Uh, so I know we're going to be talking about the movie as well, but uh, that was a big difference between the graphic novel and the movie, where the movie everything takes place in one universe. Whereas the book, that's is a pivotal, uh, pivotal point uh, of uh, of the storyline with oh, yeah. multiple universes where the turtles could revert back to, you know, turtles, you know, <laughs> turtles. Yeah, turtles. the stakes the stakes are definitely higher in the comic. Definitely, uh, we do get a couple different Batmobiles. I noticed in this as well. Um, Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we get this one that, that's uh, on the screen now, but for the people that are listening, it, it looks more like, looks like a cat. Meow. Do you think it looks like a cat? Like the the things in the back look like whiskers? It's it's like a mashup of the original Batmobile with like the big battering ram on it and the Batman Forever oh, yeah. Bat. Yep. With like a red uh, eye of Sauron. Sauron, yeah. you know, like on top, you know. So I think it looks like the car that the masked rider would fucking drive. Oh yeah, the common rider that guy. Yeah, yep. Yeah, from that television show, Japanese that... show. Yeah, like spot on. Yeah, it's yeah because it even has like antennae. So, yeah, yeah. there's a red bulge in the back too. It's just like, oh, there's its thorax. Good for you. 
And uh, later on, we get a, uh, a, a Batmobile that's similar to the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier Killer Croc, you know, uh, is in the book as well, uh, which is not in the movie. Looks like a bunch of teenagers live here. <laughs> He's rifling through the sewers like. Uh, sounds like a croc to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we won't go through page for page. But the uh, so a couple of things that we we do see in this uh, book, uh, Batman's uh, or is building uh, something called the Intimidator suit, which I am I don't think we've had that. Is, is this that's unique to the story, right? It's it's not a new concept. It's a new name for sure. Yeah. So it's I, I mean it's like that's a takeoff on what Frank Miller had in Dark Knight Returns. You know, so he could fight yeah. Superman. And it's it's a takeoff on the Hellbat suit from Justice, if you've ever read that one. You know, yeah, my um, first thought was the Hellbat suit. Yeah, it's uh, or or actually when he fought the Predator, because he had he had another shoot uh suit for that as well. So <clears throat> it's just now they gave it a funky name. Yeah. Yeah. The name wasn't, you know, something I was definitely uh Yeah, I, I thought it was funny though, it was like the intimidator suit. I'm like, you dress like a giant fucking bad what the fuck is more intimidating good he, he's God, not good man. at naming things for sure you know <clears throat> yeah for, I, adam west would have called it the bat timidator yeah i was gonna say <laughs> the bat timidator from 66 <laughs> old chum <laughs> like why do you call me chum all the time you see that shark tank chum? <laughs> <laughs> diabolical diabolical now a uh, really really important question are you reading this with Kevin Conroy's voice or are you reading this now with the uh, actor that did the uh, voice in the movie there, Leo? Definitely Kev Kevin Conroy. You're still getting it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read There's it. no wrong answer. I mean, no, it's, no, no. I, everything I read. But well, you gave the right answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I read everything in, in Kevin Conroy's, uh, you know, voice. And it's yeah, he like is the goat. everything like. Yeah. It, it's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, would. I, have to, I have to pick up Cheerios at the grocery store. <laughs> Oh, it's it's hell at work when I'm building out a data set and you know we're we're you know yeah no he codes zero one 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 I am zero one one I am the programmer. No, that doesn't sound right. It <laughs> doesn't fit. Uh I am the former programmer that does data and is uh yeah. I am the data entry. Leo's yeah. the oracle in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a redhead with glasses who works on computers. Uh, well, this writes itself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stranger than fiction indeed, kids. <laughs> yeah, my superpower is I know how to market to all the supervillains. Oh, that's pretty good. My superpower is hemorrhoids. It's, <laughs> it's not a good you're one like to have. Clock King then maybe, or, or uh, <laughs> who became the calculator. Who may or may not be in this book? I, I don't recall. Did I get any superpowers, Doc? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you grew the ability to form cancerous tumors at an exponential rate. Good job. Stop drinking toxic waste. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I enjoyed from the movie more than the book is uh, the actual first um, meetup with Shredder and Batman. You know, that first fight was just iconic. Well, not iconic, but it was. I, I, I would say iconic, absolutely. Yeah, you would. I, I would. 
Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> they do a good job of pacing in the comic here and like uh, giving tension and all that. But in the cartoon, like I watched it again just before before we did this because, you know, I just wanted to get the full scope of that. There's some like holy crap moments on there, like when Batman bangs, you know, his helmet, um, the Shredder's helmet into like certain things. And when he gives like these knee strikes and stuff, it's like some of those, like I felt those watching. I was like, Oh man, there's this one spot where he smashes his head into like a computer panel. And like, like Batman is not holding back on the Shredder. And he like, he hits his head where his helmet goes into the panel. It's really, really cool looking. Yeah, in in the beginning in a fight, you know, he's definitely trying to, you know, feel things out, you know, but then it's just, you know, pure uh, art against art, you know, just it, it was just fantastic. It shows you the martial arts hierarchy of comics because it's like as good as Batman is, you know, there are those who stand above him, like Deathstroke, the Terminator and Lady Shiva and all that. And, and Shredder is one of those folks where it's like if he doesn't have time to prep, you know, Shredder's going to take him out one one on one. But that would never happen because Batman always has time to prep. Right. I don't know. Think about them <laughs> hemorrhoids. <laughs> Preparation H. <laughs> I am vengeance. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> Albert, I told you to put the donut in the Batmobile. <laughs> Why did uh, I sit on that? <laughs> I forgot to bring my cooling pads. Oh, God, no. You know, one thing we didn't do, uh, let me read a brief synopsis. Uh, so it all starts in Gotham City as a series of deadly raids lead Batman to believe he is up against a group of highly trained ninjas. Somehow the Foot Clan has crossed over to another dimension, but they have not come alone. Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo are on their trail. DC Comics and IDW team up for the crossover you never saw coming as two of the greatest entertainment icons meet for the first time in Gotham City. And uh, yeah, actually duplicates from there. So I will stop. <laughs> I would have loved it if at any point in this Batman would have been like, hey, are you from like a universe where there's a blind guy in a red suit too? Yeah. You guys kind of remind me of him. For anybody that doesn't realize why I'm saying that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, were created as a joke-ish combination of Daredevil and X-Men. That's why there's several of them in their Teenage Mutants, but then everything else is a direct homage to Daredevil. You know, Daredevil was trained by Stick, and the Turtles were trained by Splinter, you <laughs> know? Yada, yada, yada. Oh, and they're the ninjas. <laughs> you get that. You know, Daredevil went up against the hand, and the turtles were, went up against the foot clan. You know? I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. Well, for those of you out there who aren't completely <laughs> dense like fearless leader Leo up here, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> uh, I, I love the artwork in the book. Um, Batman does seem off in a couple shots, but otherwise, you know, it, it's it's pretty good. The fight scenes, the turtles are awesome. You know, you can't go wrong drawing the turtles. Well, I'm, I'm sure you can, but... Oh, I'm positive you can. Give me a pencil and a piece of paper. I can fuck it up. <laughs> uh, another difference is we get Splinter uh, in in the book, and he is uh, missing in the uh, the movie, right? He wasn't in the movie. He, uh, he was not in the movie. I think the only time you see him is uh, at the end in, in when they do, like, those uh, Batman turtle crossover fake books. 
Oh yes, yes. That, that's those, the only those, time I think you see them. So those fake covers, you know, oh, definitely they're so cool. Yeah, if you're gonna get a chance to watch the movie, stay and watch the credits. The uh, the credit scene has some amazing uh, recreation of covers. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, like Neil Adams covers and like like stuff that you wouldn't normally expect to see. You're like, wow, Frank Miller Year One, and it's oh, it's really cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, one thing that's in in both, I, I just uh, love Mikey. Uh, you know, drawing up a you know... <laughs> Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he's doing the old Benjamin Franklin. You know, here's the pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, uh, pros of Batman. He's awesome. Brad suit, little bat throwy things, capes, an electric car. Uh, not awesome. Kicked our butts. Mean voice. Stole Raph's sigh. <laughs> the car right chicks dig the car yeah uh that was uh, another thing the uh, the car had uh tasers that he used to uh take out the turtles yep he hit raf with taser level seven yeah this taser. um this batman and these turtles uh are are probably the closest thing that we got to the injustice 2 game when we got those version of the turtles and batman because batman's using his uh his batmobile as like his power move and all that in that as well as this so it seems like this is kind of like along the same same uh vein there the that's turtle, pretty cool the turtles were in that game as well yeah they were downloadable content in uh injustice too oh wow well oh, and i would have known that if i gave two rat fucks about injustice sorry well, there's there's also hellboy too so you can play as hellboy or you can play as a turtle so i was which, all about which, this which hellboy the mike mignola one no i mean like is he <laughs> it's the, com more the comic version yeah. okay I, like i i wasn't being a smart ass and i understand why you might have taken it as such but no like essentially in you know popular culture now people there would be like for the most part three distinct versions you could see the mike oh Mignola, yeah so, so mike mignola yeah yeah mike mignola uh the uh ron perlman version from the del toro movies and then david harbour from the most recent movie yeah this is comic accurate one so <laughs> yeah none of, none not for nothing too the the david harbour one is actually far more comic comic accurate than the ron perlman one you are preaching to the choir and um and actually brandon was uh, the uh, co-host of a Throwdown Thursday episode about Hellboy too? So. Oh yeah, yeah. I've 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 read a lot of Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> when I say a lot, I mean all of it. I've read all the Hellboy. All the Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. In uh, even know, the new stuff. Well, at that point in time, I okay. read I read all the Hellboy, and uh, I can't I can't say enough that uh, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you do not need to read all the Hellboy. Just read the corpse and read uh, the hunger and read the iron shoes and yeah. You know, look up a list it. online and like, oh, what are the best Hellboy stories to read? And just stick with that cherry pick list. You'll be fine. I guarantee it. The coffin? Did you say the coffin? Uh, I said the no, corpse. No. Corpse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's some really good stories, and I will, I do, I do appreciate that they kept romance out of it. You know, much. Oh, like thank God. Meal. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Mignola really wanted Hellboy to just kind of be the catalyst for these weird stories. Um, that's something after reading them for a few years, going back to revisit the Del Toro movies, I was like, nah, dude, you you totally missed the mark. And I actually feel that the David Harbour version was really like watching Mike Mignola's comic come to life, you know, especially with having Alice on screen and she was just like a person that was friends with Hellboy and they didn't yep. feel the need to have her become a romantic interest or anything that was spot on 
but uh regardless of all that <laughs> but they were they were all together in injustice to the video game so Oh. Yeah, tie it all into uh, TMNT and uh, Batman. So uh, we we do get several cameos. Uh, actually, I, I took a note of all the you know iconic Batman items that you know we see in this. And uh, Justin, hopefully you can uh, clue us in on some of the iconic Turtles items that you know you picked out. Uh, but obviously, within the Bat Cave, we have the Bat Computer, the T Rex. Uh, the penny, the playing card, and uh, the different suits laid out. And uh, one thing that I, I really uh, pointed out was um, Batman's relationship with Damien. You know, definitely, you see something towards the end that we really haven't seen. You know, it's like uh, him and Damien are going to work on a project together. It was more father-son, you know, type of feel. Yeah, I, I I can dig on that. It was um it was very nice in this to kind of see Damien sort of remember. Oh like oh yeah, that's right. You're you're a human being, father. I, <laughs> exactly. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, Damien was great in, in both the uh, the book and the the movie. You know, it's, uh... I agree. Yeah, it's it's funny seeing the actor that plays him too because he's he's kind of a diminutive guy right his name is like Ben Jiro and uh, he does a lot of Nickelodeon stuff where he does like this little kid's voice and all that it's so crazy hmm. yeah that's a great panel right there man let me see if I can find something something here like a good uh, soliloquy or something like that but um well Justin uh, while Justin looks that up uh, Brandon what are your thoughts on the book. Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, for, for me, I mean, Michelangelo and Donatello are, are like my two favorite. Um, and to see them hanging out in the Batcave, I, I was really digging on that. Cause that's actually kind of, I, aside from the fighting and like the badassery of, of ninjas throwing down, um, if you're going to have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in the Batcave, like I totally expect to see them do something like take Robin's, you know, Damien's like PS5 or whatever and hook it up to the back computer just so they can play video games on the largest screen they've ever seen. Pony racers, pony racers, <laughs> you know, like, no, my pony racers, <laughs> like fucking Mikey. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I, I really liked the approach well i shouldn't say approach but the interaction between batman and splinter uh once yes. it yeah. yeah once it becomes apparent like it's like reverence yeah splinter is a, a master and you know batman realizes and when he he starts working with them uh and leonardo and batman are sparring and splinter's up there you know sensing the hell out of it and you know, he's like oh do this that or the other thing and leonardo listens to him and then splinter's like oh you know he's pushing you farther back than you think and watch watch your watch your footing and batman's like i think his footing's fine and then leonardo knocks him on his ass and splinter's like i wasn't talking to him <laughs> i was like oh that was fucking great yeah yeah, that's I mean, actually my favorite part of this series. Yeah, I mean it was it was really good. Um, the one thing that I saw coming from a mile away, and I just was like, okay, well, I guess you have to have this because it's a Ninja Turtles story. But unsurprising, Raphael gets all pissy and he's like, "Screw you guys! I'm 
going home and decides he's just going to leave because no one's doing anything at the moment to stop everything. And it's, it's like, all right, we get it, dude. Like at this point for me personally, like anytime I read anything with the turtles in it, Raphael is going to do some shit like this and he's going to get super melodramatic and storm off. And it, it's amusing to me because everyone's always like, oh, Raph's the angry one. He's all, he's full of rage. And I'm like, Raph is a fucking drama queen. That's what he is. I don't see anything more than that. He is a teenage melodramatic drama queen. Maybe by the time he's 20, his fucking hormones will mellow out and he'll fucking <laughs> chill. But for right now, we got to deal with this shit. Like, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like par for the course. Like I want to see, I want to see Donatello lose his temper. Like before Raphael does, he doesn't even get the chance. Let somebody else snap for once. Oh, you can't, man! You wait to the second book, oh, yeah, right? Book three, Series yeah. two. Woo. You are not kidding. Like if you want to see that, like, like just a teaser. If you could imagine where this is going, the main enemy in that one is Bane. So you could imagine <laughs> the Bane and Krang hookup. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's, well, I mean, it's kind of like is that is that what happens? Is they 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 start working together, Bane and Krang? No, no, oh. it's uh, Bane and Rush, Rachel Ghoul. Rachel, yeah, Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it actually kicks off because uh, Donatello is uh, is doubting himself and is looking to uh, get to Batman for advice. Right? Is that what yeah? Because yeah. like the Simpsons predicted, Batman's a scientist. But he's also a martial artist, so that's that's why Donatello is absolutely infatuated with him. He's like, how come Batman can do all this stuff and be brilliant? Oh, because like he's, he's also he's a, also a fucking multi billionaire, so you know he's got time to dedicate. You know, <laughs> I mean, Donatello, you you're a, you're a mutant turtle for sure, but you also like live in a sewer and fucking you know eat pizza, so. <laughs> Batman eats a piece of pizza in this, and it's probably the first slice of pizza he's had in fucking 10 years. I don't think he eats carbs. <laughs> was... Yeah, for real. <laughs> so so Batman's on keto? Yeah, more than likely. I mean, intermittent fasting for sure. You know? Yeah, he's, he's probably fucking tuna and chicken as far as the fucking eye can see, as, as the day is long. <laughs> uh, the interactions uh, between everybody and Commissioner Gordon in, in uh, both the book and the movie were just hilarious. Gordon's like on on the he's about to lose it. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's oh, like all dude, right, whatever. <laughs> Jim Meskimen is the voice of Commissioner Gordon in the movie. That guy's hysterical. He um he shows up in a bunch of uh, Mike Schur uh, shows like uh, Parks and Rec and the good place he always plays the mc for like things that are going down he just talks he just shoots out puns constantly he's, he's freaking hysterical oh and uh who does mikey in the movie that's uh from snl kyle mooney. kyle mooney kyle mooney yeah. yeah another one who showed up on parks and rec <laughs> oh did so, he okay yeah yeah he he was just an applicant for a job opening um for uh the uh animal control when they fired the two stoners and they're like so what are you what are you looking to get out of this job and he's like huh oh in, in about a month and they're like what 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 are you what are you looking to get out of the job like oh i thought you said when um i i was thinking like about a month's worth of money yeah <laughs> <laughs> so oblivious like he, he does it perfectly uh too bad he's off that's i don't know case for us yeah it's okay he's got that um 
uh, Zoolander 2 money to fall back on. Yeah, right. Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Rachel Bloom was the voice of Batgirl? Yep. That's cool. I love Rachel Bloom. So uh, that's another thing. Batgirl wasn't in the in the book, but she was in the movie. Um, so yeah, so uh, the notes that I have for, for the movie, uh, several characters are omitted, included Lucius Fox, Splinter, Casey Jones, and April O'Neil. Uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, is added to the plot as well. And uh, let's see. Justin, what did you have? No, I mean, you're you're right there. I mean, the big difference is with uh, that first battle that they have. And then everything is, is really diminished with Rachel Ghoul as opposed to, like, they play up the um, the Joker part at the end. Like, they play that up a little bit more. with, and, and I don't even think Harley is really in this one besides being, like, a background character. Yeah, she's just, like, kind of in two panels or something. Yeah, yeah right like, there, that, yeah. that's it. <laughs> you know, she's, she's And what is there, she, though. a dog or a hyena? Or... I think she's a hyena. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she has the pet hyenas. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that would make sense. A lot of this is funny because it's just, like, like they're metaphorically changing, you know, and it's like, okay – um, you know, Mr. Freeze is a polar bear. Okay, well, that makes sense, but he was in no way near a polar bear, you know. Um, you know, a scarecrow turns into a crow. Uh, Harley turns into a uh, hyena. That's the only one that makes sense if she was recently near a hyena. So yeah, you, you have to look at some of this with just the rule of cool and be like, oh, that's a cool thing that happened and not think too much into it. So it's just like, go along for the ride and it looks pretty. Don't think. All right, I'm on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, Joker is a giant snake who has hands. Okay. Um, all right, moving on. It's like that is strange. <laughs> I, I love some of the parts in this. And and uh, one thing that you didn't cover on here is um well, Brandon alluded to it. Raph gets pissed off and he, he runs off, right? It's a total trope of turtle comics so, like that we was talking about. But he gets picked up by Batman. And Batman takes him to Crime Alley on the anniversary of his parents' death, and he basically unfolds his uh, his uh, life story. And he's so this is what happened. This is why I am who I am. There's a there's a really clever meme that's out there, and he's where he says "cow a bummer." That's not actually in the book, you know. Like I, I know a lot of people have seen that, but um, wow, that's it's a really heartfelt moment where he's just kind of like laying it out, and he's like, hey there's more out there than what you have going on sometimes. And sometimes other people have other stuff going on. Maybe you can think about that. And it, it's just like a nice mentor moment for Batman where he's actually being a human, you know, and, and the yeah. irony of this is that he's talking to someone who's not human, you know, and who's probably more human than him with his emotions. But, you know, it's, it's a very kind of cool uh, high spot of the book emotionally. Yeah, I actually I really like that that little scene altogether. And um, I'm I'm using my my tablet to go through so I can actually see it. But um, it was a really nice scene, and I'm not gonna lie. Like I I kind of was like, oh oh god, ah, I can stop feeling human for Batman. It's terrible. But <laughs> it, like it was well, be only because like okay, yeah, we get it, dude. Like your parents were killed in Crime Alley, and yeah, and like. We've seen plenty of things. We've read plenty of things where it's it's like, oh, it's the anniversary and what have you, and he's visiting Crime Alley again. But like for him to actually stand there and explain to someone, like right here is where my life was irrevocably changed, and I vowed that I was going to make sure that the world would have the rules that were just completely broken, 
in front of me again. And it took a long time, but I finally got to the point where I could be the man that could make sure that no family ever has to go through what I went through that night. You know, it was, it was, it was done really well in, it, it had a lot of verisimilitude to it. It felt genuine when, when you actually read it. And it's not very long. It's maybe a page where he does that, you know, split up over just a couple of panels. And it's very effective. It's probably one of the most effective retellings, in a, in a sense, of Batman's origin. Like, just the base origin. Orphaned because he was, his parents were killed in an alley. And as he said, like... It was it was a, a a thief who wanted nothing more than the money in my father's wallet and the pearls around my mother's neck, and instead he took my parents' lives. Like, damn! All right, that's that's rough. <laughs> and as you know, yeah. we can't have a Batman book without the retelling of his origin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but as, at least he likes least, to point out. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, I mean, we haven't fucking seen it enough. But I will say it's different because it wasn't a flashback. It wasn't showing us what happened. It was him out and out telling someone what happened to him that night. And there's not a lot of that when it comes to the retelling of Batman's origin. It's always shown. It's always part of what we're seeing in front of us. And uh, to add Bruce's experience in relaying that story as opposed to being fully removed and just an audience member to the carnage that is about to occur in this young man's life it makes all the difference and that's why for just like i said a page in this book that hits so hard and is far more effective than any number of versions i've seen that origin get told so you know hats off to james tinian for real yeah there's there's the scene that uh, we were just talking about yeah and, and it it does and i mean the 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 way that he does this he's doing it because he says he's like here i stand and i see a family being ripped apart by an impossible science and dark intent i won't let it happen it can't let it happen so please let me help you save your family and and the whole point of this is that he did an analysis on on the turtles and they're uh reverting back uh to their pre-mutated state because their mutagen doesn't exist in this other dimension. So it's it's like this whole thing. And, it, and it's like the stakes are incredibly high for them being in the DC universe. So And Raph is just freaking out, not all about this. And Batman humanizes the whole thing, which is not a Batman trait. Like this is not something that Batman normally does. He will do this kind of stuff as we go forward into like rebirth era and stuff like that, that's when you're going to get like this version of the Batman. And I like it. Cause this is kind of like the progenitor where it's like, maybe right now we have um, probably what was going on at this point. Like the Scott Snyder stuff was like right before this, like the court of the owls and all that. So it's like, mm-hmm. and then after that we get like the Tom King run and then eventually Tinian would take over a detective. So it's, it's uh, just, man. Oh, you know what? That explains that explains why I, I part of why I love this book so much. He did Detective, mm-hmm. of course, the run that I like absolutely adore. <laughs> so good, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, DC, <laughs> making me feel things. <laughs> no, I, it's I'm fine with feeling things, but god damn it, like if you're gonna I'm do not. it, do it. Don't chicken out, you know, like. Like what a what a phenomenal like set of books that they they were putting out, and then 
like, oh, well, you know, I guess it's time for, you know, status quo to be reestablished, boys. So hope you enjoyed that entire story arc. I mean, I did. That doesn't mean you have to reset to zero, though, does it? <laughs> well, I mean, yes, it, it does. Have you not read comics before? But you could change the game. Yes, we could. But Batman. Oh, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I don't remember who took over on Detective after Tinian went to Batman. Right. But I do remember reading like Detective uh, uh, 1027. Right. Like and, and going through those stories and all that. And I'm like, that was a really cool book with like all these different vignettes where it's like, OK, there's a Grant Morrison one. And then there's one by uh, I think Tom Taylor did one, you know, like there's a whole bunch of different stuff. But there, there's like good stuff in, in Detective Comics has always been, you know, about Batman, you know, and and what happened with with that run that we were talking about is that it became about mysteries and it became about solving a crime or a puzzle and about like character development and things like that whereas batman the book was just about like batman and his interpersonal relationships with other characters in his own life so i i could definitely agree with that 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 detective comic run was just so stellar uh, don't forget uh, Scarecrow, because uh, for the last year it was multiple Scarecrow stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Fear State was it? I am before Fear State. There was uh, yeah, and I think even after Fear State, there I don't know. Too much Scarecrow. Like I don't know. Why. I I love Scarecrow. Scarecrow's like like my second or third favorite uh, Batman villain, and and I mean like he's up there for DC villains too. Like the first two being Tweedledee and Tweedledum. No, no, no. I, I'm a big Bane guy, so I like Bane, Scarecrow, and, and I, I like Joker, but, like, too much Joker is not good Joker. You know, so it's like, if you if you just use him... Who like, doesn't love Bane? He's the best. <laughs> I, I don't know if you could see up here, but I got my Bane statue up there, too, so, you know. Yep, I there can he is. barely see it. Bring it closer. Oh, no, I, I can't reach that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just joking, Justin. We can see it fine. <laughs> Let me use my, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's so much further. It's like a meatloaf song. It's... <laughs> you would do anything for love? Uh, no, objects <laughs> in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Life is a lemon, and I want my money back. <laughs> well, sleep on it, and, you know. <laughs> oh, you're right. There's a lot of scarecrow going on, but I love scarecrow. Yeah, for, for a while it just seemed like there was too much you know it was uh the fear state was i don't know it what was that like 40 something issues and before that it was yeah it was you say and 40? before that there was too much bane so it's like yeah. I, I totally get it and, and again like these are my favorite characters oh, yeah because i'm like too much like let's cycle through like you just did the joker and riddler war now you're doing this and it, it's like ah, you know like maybe we should go back and see what mr freeze oh you did it in issue 53 okay you know yeah it's like uh, well uh yeah so that that brings up a point they did like two bane storylines back to back um psycho pirate i think they did like two storylines with psycho pirate um just it was to... amazing by the way like, oh yeah you want to talk about someone who really hadn't seen anything since crisis right. you know and it's like well, what about psycho pirate oh he went nuts then well, what about him oh so it's not just a clever him. name <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly he's the shitty Beatles of dc characters <laughs> right uh, but you, you talk about like uh that current run and i know we're totally off topic here but like uh i mean we're talking about batman right yeah it's all right. yeah yeah I, so rebirth you know 
the beginning storyline with like Batman trying to save that plane, um, that just hooked me right there. Like the whole beginning storyline of, of uh, Gotham Girl and was it? Goth- oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was cool. Gotham Girl and Gotham Boy. Yes. The, the brother and sister. Yeah, that was I read that. That was that was I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, started out strong out the gate. Yeah, but then it, it it just got too repetitive, like uh, the city of Bane and and you know the whole multiple Bane storylines. The Joker and Riddler war was sort of like a breath of fresh air in between, like just a cluster of you know just nonsense. I love the lead up stuff with Catwoman, where he really just integrated Catwoman into every facet of, oh, yeah. of like Bruce Wayne and Batman's life. It's like, oh. We have to go fight Rachel Ghoul now. Why? Because the world thinks that I killed 27 people when really it was, you know, um, actually, actually, it was, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, Juno Temple's character that killed all those people. So, you know, um, and I have to clear my name if I'm going to be worthy enough to marry Bruce Wayne. And and I'm like, this is great. Oh yeah, I, I read I read all that too. Actually, that was that was really cool. That was that was like issue 25. You know? Yeah. Oh, um, and uh, the date. Yeah, uh, the date's the. Oh, best. that's a great. That is a great yeah. issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the uh, flipping back and forth with uh, Batman and uh, Clark Kent uh talking about each other you know and uh just mirroring each other that's dressing up in each other's costumes for a costume party and you know um the the big argument of of the whole thing was of if um, superman could throw a uh, ball you know without um it deteriorating as fast as he could throw it and batman can hit it so (laughs) i'm like this is just awesome that's the kind of like geeky stuff where you get really excited yeah yeah, I mean, th- this should be this should be honestly like more stories with Batman and Superman actually being friends, you know. And I think nowadays it's so easy to for especially like pop culture wise people to get kind of stuck in this this frame of mind where it's it's gonna be that Batman versus Superman like all Frank yeah. Miller shit all the time. And it's like no 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 no. That's not how it goes. Like they are friends. They respect one another. It's in, it's not even that they have differing opinions. It's they have different approaches. That's that's the key point. And they they leave one another alone because they know that they are they are best doing what each one does. And it's not going to help the other to try to meddle or muddy the waters for what it is that they have essentially a process for. You know, but. It, like the best friends do they if they see something that they feel that they need to say something about they say it you know and and so they, what if they keep a ring of kryptonite in their utility belt i mean come on i mean i always liked i always liked the the idea that you know superman is the one that gave batman the ring saying like you're the only person i trust with this you know that to me is more batman and superman than batman getting kryptonite and keeping it as a fail safe just in case you know like that's a bit too far he totally could have trusted john jones like totally not yeah but he but um definitely like martian manager could have been trusted yeah yeah maybe maybe but he trusted bruce yeah no i i get it that's that's one of those things where it's like you know it's it's a, a big moment and those are the kind of moments and those are the kind of like interactions that you see in turtles books like constantly 
you know, those those uh, interpersonal relationships where it's like Donatello is, you know, upset and he gets consoled by his brother or Raph is upset and he gets, you know, Mikey makes him laugh, you know, or, you know, Leo is trying to figure something out. And, you know, oddly enough, like in 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 these comics, it's not Raph and Leo that are at odds. It's Donnie and Leo, which makes a lot more sense. You know, because it's like they're kind of like fighting for who has the best plan and things like that. So, but you see those sort of interpersonal relationships, like we're talking about with Superman and Batman and all that, all the time in Turtles books. Yeah, I mean, it, it's bringing a, a group dynamic into a book that, for the most part, focuses on an individual character, uh, and to see him get thrust into the mix with that, it, it, it's certainly an interesting dynamic. It's sort of the same thing that we've seen in some of the better JLA runs and what have you with, with you know, depending on, on writers, of course, I mean, it really started yeah, the Morrison in, run. I literally just gonna say yeah. it literally started off with a bang with, with Grant Morrison with uh was it new world order yep. um, was the first story arc. And it, I mean, that leads to like tower of ba- Babel. And, and I mean, that is an iconic That's such a story good arc. And Both I mean, of those that, are really good, actually. So you know, but that's also where we started to see a very deep darkening of the character of Batman. And yeah, that that was like at the end of that. That's when like I talk about the dark times of like when when um, Brew Baker took over, and I'm just like, ugh. Even I don't like this character. You know, yeah. it's just like ugh. And he did the same thing with Karnak, by the way. You know, um, yeah, I, th- I think that was him or was that fraction? No, that was that was fraction. OK, yeah. <laughs> you, you're still not going to convince me that Karnak is the one who's going to be the biggest badass in the Marvel Universe. Sorry. But he sees weaknesses. Yeah. Yet he lacks the strength to do that. Oh, I can see that that wall will crumble if I can hit it with this much force. Alas, I'm only a normal human. Oops. You know, well, yep. I've just poked a hole in your yeah. whole theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens when I hit this wall right here. Uh, yep, exactly as I thought. I've shattered every finger in my yeah, exactly. fist. Oh, <laughs> good job, Karnak. Um, Don't you gotta take a fucking break? Yeah. <laughs> Go rest your big melon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let the big boys take care of this. Hey, Hulk, come here. <laughs> hey, Black Bolt, can you whisper at this wall for a second? Dummy over here is trying to punch it. <laughs> What wall? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, we got rid of the wall. That was poignant. (laughs) And the back of that dude's skull. Well, you know, half the job. Let's just press press forward. (laughs) What are we going to do about Black Bolt, though? I mean, he's not going anywhere. (laughs) So uh, back to Batman and Turtles, Uh, you know, Personally, I, I would highly recommend this to uh, this and the movie to to anybody. Um, Justin, as a Turtles book, how does this rank up? It's it's up there. I mean, like there's other crossovers that they have. Like there's the Turtles that are crossing over with the Ghostbusters, which oh is really God. good. You know, so good. Turtles have crossed over with Savage Dragon. They've crossed over with um, Cerberus, uh, Flaming Carrot. Uh, I mean, technically, the Fugitoid was a different character but it's like they've they've done crossovers in the past you know um but like this is the one that that for me always sticks out because i just i love everything about both characters you know whether it's batman or the turtles universe and in those little moments are like like splinter and batman or shredder versus batman or when batman comes back and fights shredder but he can only do it if he levels the playing field with the super suit 
you know, like those little sort of moments here. And, and then when you get into the sequels, which I find even better than this one, it, it's just it's such a fun universe to play in. And they actually did like a Batman the Animated Series universe um, spinoff with the Turtles, too. So that's kind of fun. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. It has like like I, I believe the covers of one of them. It has that that classic like red circle background. But yeah, that's actually the first issue. Yep. Yeah, but it's the turtles that you see, like, the silhouettes of and what have you, instead of, like, you know, like, I am the knight. He's standing up on a fucking building by himself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, the knight looks lonely. Sorry, Batman. <laughs> so, so there's another Batman <laughs> Turtles series? There is. Other it, it was, the um, it's called Adventures? Is that it? It could be. Uh, it could be. That's It's TMNT and Batman Adventures. I'll have to check that out. I want to say the first series came out in like 2016, something like that, like shortly after this one. So, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know if it was like a six issue run or something like that. I definitely have it somewhere, but you know, it's, uh, it's it's Batman slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures. Yep. There's some really cool variant covers too. Like there's, there's one that um, uh, Mike Allard did or Allred. Allred. Mike Allred all did. And that's a really cool, fun looking one. You're like, oh, wow, this is great. Yeah, Mike Allred's got such a distinctive style too. I I wish I liked Mad Men, like um like Madman. I I wish I liked it. I don't, and I figured that out about myself, and that's okay, because it yeah. looks great, and um I just don't like it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know it's like hey, I tried this independent comic. You know it's not for me. Yeah, I mean he did do uh, X Force and X Statics for that, Marvel for a while. That was great. Batman yeah. sixty six was great, and I think he did a little work on the uh, on the Wonder Woman book. And and his Silver Surfer looks really great. Yeah, so I, I need to get in on that one. But um, I did like his uh, his F four, the Marvel Now version of Fantastic Four. That was a great run. I, I really enjoyed that because it was like a fresh take with Scott Lang and um, let's see who was in it. She Hulk was in it and I will probably read anything with She Hulk in it. So, <laughs> but oh, um, I forgot he did F4. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. F- F4 was a really good one too. So, and it's funny the places that like these books will take you and you're like, oh man, I forgot that. So, <laughs> the turtles are adorable in the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures, by the way. Like they look, I mean, they look like teenagers. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I can dig it. It's sort of like the uh, the versions from the Nickelodeon cartoon that was on in 2012. 12, thank you. Yep. I was going to say 13, um, which is a which is a great show, honestly. Um, I and I have recently put the cartoon that was on before that in the early aughts uh, on my list on Paramount Plus because uh, apparently that's like a lot of people's favorite version. So oh, I guess it's on Paramount Plus. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. own Nickelodeon. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I mean, if they, you wanted to, you could watch it episodically on um, Pluto TV. There's a whole yep. Totally Turtles channel you could watch there. Yep. But um, you don't have to because it's on Paramount Plus. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I can't remember what year. It is. I want to say it's like 2003. Three. Three. Okay, I was, it, it predates I was, I was my right oldest child by one year, and I know that specifically. <laughs> I like that's how you you can remember your kids' birthday. I I remember my kids' birth dates by the year the Red Sox won World Series. So, <laughs> wow. it's two thousand four and two thousand seven. Luckily, none in twenty thirteen and none in oh, afterwards. But yeah, uh, yeah, I um I remember it being on. I just never had the chance to like sit down and actually watch it. Um. 
And I, but the funny thing is, I I own Turtles Forever. Oh, such a good one! I I have that over there too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, without having seen the show really much, like I caught little snippets of episodes here and there, but I was usually, I mean, you get it. it. Yeah. <laughs> flitting about, I've, I've seen Ninja Turtles shit. Like you don't I, get it to like the intergalactic ninja competition and stuff like that, but it's well, like, I mean, otherwise it's like, yeah, I, w- I will say as someone who, you know, likes Ninja Turtles, but I'm not like in love with them. Like I, I will check whatever out if it looks good. Uh, but. I, I watched the cartoon as a kid. I loved the most of the movies that came out when I was younger. I, I still just can't wrap my head around part three. It was not great. Um, and, you know, I, I love the toys and what have you. But at that point in time, I was 20, 21 and working and just doing my thing. And I didn't have time to sit down and watch anything, let alone uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. I mean, I was like working nights and stuff, and you know, this was this was back before DVRs were a thing and VCRs were already on their way out. So what the fuck was I gonna record shit with? So you know, I I just missed. I think my youngest brother Colin watched it because he was like seven or eight. Um, he knows a lot more about it than I do. But once again, I have the basics. Uh, I remember turning on like seeing like, oh, this show is on. I turn and they had like a giant fucking like tech filled base of in like central park or something and i was like all right i have like, a few questions may have missed a couple of yeah like <laughs> i don't remember this ever being the case from any of the comics i perused or the old cartoon show which i know is far-fetched and very kitty anyway um but yeah i watched turtles forever and i thought that was absolutely solid and their baxter stockman from that series is my favorite well i i don't doubt it i like i said i've heard from folks that are super into TMNT that that this particular iteration in that cartoon is is supposed to be like wonderful um and from from my part I did watch like all of the 2012 series on Nickelodeon and I I loved it I absolutely fell in love with it that's my favorite (laughs) it's my it's I mean honestly like I I'm hard pressed to watch the 2003 version because I loved the 2012 version so much like it is a show that is designed for several generations <clears throat> i got up I, I don't have kids or anything i would get up on saturday mornings and watch this on nickelodeon i didn't even wait for the recording i would just be up and watching it and there's so much stuff that i didn't know that i thought they were just like pulling out of their ass to throw in this cartoon and lo and behold i looked it up i was like oh no all of this space stuff it happened yeah <laughs> like an issue fugitoid is re- yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> fugitoid is real this is no. i was and i you know but just like little touches too fugitoid voiced by david tennant you know um <clears throat> just the, the michael dorn is on the show you the know te- the terror beavers <laughs> i i think that was an embellishment <laughs> But I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, okay, they're clearly making fun of, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but not just Nightmare on Elm Street, Care Bears. And and uh, Napoleon Dynamite, because the uh, Napoleon Bon Bonafrog was Napoleon. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, just how they tie in the different iterations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like the the old cartoon, the comic books, the movies, like the live action movies. I mean that kind of goes with the comic books as well but the fact that they did everything according to what you know from the original comics and the first live action movie 
But instead of it being Raphael who gets all jacked up, it's Leonardo. And he's the one that sits in a coma for a couple of weeks in the bathtub in April's family farm in upstate New York or wherever it is. Um, and it's brilliant too that they did it that way for the show because Jason Biggs voiced Leonardo and he left the show and Seth Green came in to voice him instead and they actually explained that he, some of the damage he had taken had been to his throat and that's why he sounded different when he woke up I was like ooh that's that's yeah. a smart that's explanation cool, that's a cool plot device where you're like oh I like but they weren't they weren't treating kids as dumb either you know they were like kids are probably going to notice the difference let's just address it and make it part of the story that's that's, and that's that's the real story, by the way, the Leonardo part. Um, oh, really? That, that is what actually happened. And in the movie, they did that as Raph because it made sense because he went off on his own and all that. But that whole what a part, surprise! That whole part was actually Leonardo. So nice. Well, I mean, it, it was just a, it was really good to see like a, a production that pulled from the history of the characters all together and tried to squeeze in like some of the best story elements and character developments, character developments all together. I think like we're at a point soon where we could very well see uh, a Batman version of that take place, like a, you know, an, uh, an animated series as such and have it be for like all ages. And when I say all ages, I mean like adults and kids that you can enjoy together, make, make the, the cultural references and stuff like that, that the adults will oh, definitely the get bold, man. Oh, did you did you like Brave and the Bold? It was all right. It was yeah. all right. It was. So you was think little... more so more so than than that version? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking like specifically still Batman, you know, and just I don't want to see Brave and the Bold was fun, but it was also a little more on the goofy side. Oh, it was incredibly goofy. Yeah, like I'm not sure. I'm not that. talking <laughs> about that. I mean, like the show that T the TMNT did in 2012 in Nickelodeon. It had its fun and funny moments, but it was a serious show. Like it was, there was a point to it. And the, the boys, when they weren't goofing off, they meant business. I, I think that there's room for a, a Batman project like that, where it's pulling from the different iterations mm -hmm. that we've seen and conglomerating it to make like essentially an ultimate version that we've never really been exposed to before where it pulls from the things that you love and what you love about them most concerning Batman. I, I think, I think that there's room for that without making it either too dark or too silly. Well, I, I think we may get something close to that with the new Bruce Tim series. Kate Crusader. Yeah, maybe. You think I there's going to be um, humor in it? Well, I mean, if we look at Bruce Tim's previous works, you know, it was, uh, you know, there was a bit, you know, some comical items within it. Uh, but, you know, the way the artwork looks so far is it looks like it's a darker Batman. So maybe it's a mix of dark and, you know. Yeah, I mean, but so long as the character doesn't remain like grimdark at all times, like. Because one of the best things about Bruce Wayne in the the Tim Deeney animated series was that when he wasn't dressed as the Batman, Bruce was a pretty affable dude who didn't take himself too seriously. And not to the point of camp, but just like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that was stupid. I don't yeah, know like if you that. looked up aloofness in the dictionary, you'd see that version of like Bruce just with his hands in his pockets like, oh, hey, Lucius. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, but just like not taking himself too seriously, but also not looking like a, a an idiot. Not, you know, he wasn't a buffoon or anything. He was just kind of like, oh, oh, I'm, uh, I, didn't, I didn't see you there. Like, Bruce, that's the fucking waiter that's been serving you all night. All night? They got to wear different moment. colored uniforms or something. That's that's crazy. <laughs> I was just thinking of Chris Farley, and I was like, you guys remember that episode where Bruce Wayne like dyed his hair white, and he had to work in a mine, and he lost his memory and all that? And then he figured out that he was Bruce Wayne, and he was rescued? That, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, especially with, with some of the, the cast of characters that have popped up since, like, the animated series finished and what we've seen in different iterations since that point, there's a lot of room to to grow and have it be, like, a, a wide-scope legacy dealing with Batman specifically. And you can you can play around with, the, with this different cast of characters. I mean, look, like I said, look to what Nickelodeon did with TMNT yeah. in 2012 and that could easily translate to Batman. I mean, it, it, to to what I said earlier when I was initially like Fugitoid, wow, they're just like making stuff up. It's not that I thought it was bad. It was just so far from what I knew about yeah, Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it was good. That's the thing about it is like when I watched it, I I was ready for it to jump the shark and instead I was like, "Oh, this is and then when it all becomes a fucking loop, I was like, oh, you guys, you knew I was watching, didn't you? You knew. You knew that I love time travel and shit like that. Oh, you, Nickelodeon, you're the best. You know, and, and like things like that, pulling from the best versions, cherry picking it, but still having it all fit organically. That's that's the key. Don't have it be disjointed. Don't have it be too much one thing or the other. It's finding that that balance. You know, it's it's the bitter and the sweet working together. And that, you know, the the project I mentioned that, that had already taken place in 2012, that is a pretty decent blueprint for how to take a number of characters that you may already be somewhat familiar with and put them in vaguely familiar settings. But to blend it all around, you can throw in different things. Just because you're doing Batman doesn't mean it has to be strictly Batman homages or references that you're making within the story. Like, for example, Justin, you, you brought up the Nightmare on Elm Street um, episode of TMNT. Uh, Robert England does the voice of the shopkeeper in it. Yep. And he accidentally brings forth these, these like, dream demons. They're, they're beavers, dream beavers. They're supposed to be – they're basically care bears, though. They have, like, the symbols on their chest and everything. And they keep haunting the turtles and April and Casey. And they finally like pull them into the real world, just like in Nightmare on Elm Street. And when they finally do, they're no longer these giant monsters. <laughs> they're like this fucking big. Yeah. Like, we're going to get you. We're going to, you'll rule the day. <laughs> and Michael Andrews is like, they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so that That's the kind of stuff you, you can play around with, you know, in – I think I think playing around with Batman and I mean playing with him and still maintaining a serious setting is something that hasn't really been tried or if it has been, it, it's not been successful to the point where people are like, yeah, keep doing that. You know, somebody like Bruce Tim, um, with or without Paul Dini, I don't know, maybe he maybe he can do something like that. But for what I understand, Cape Crusader is supposed to be like geared more towards the mature audiences for batman cool yeah so i think we're gonna see like a just a straight rough and tumble bats 
you know, taking care of business in, in that show, which is fine too. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to watch it, you know. You, you raised a really good point here because one of the reasons I actually started my podcast was because I felt people did not really connect with the Turtles now, right? Like everybody goes back to, oh, I remember the 80s, you know, the cartoon, and they had their origin there. And I remember the movie and they had their origin there. Well, could you guys tell reading this that the Turtles were really reincarnations of, you know, the sons of Hamato Yoshi, who was killed at the hands of Shredder? who happens to be an ancient spirit that has, uh, you know, possessed uh, a Saki and, and is like secretly a dragon. Could you tell any of that shit? Absolutely. By page three. Yeah. No, I have no, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, like what are the things that just came out of your word hole? Like that's all insane. of those things, dude, that's, that's the craziness that goes on when, and I'm, I'm just like, I wanted to bring that to people because it's like, Hey, Guess what's going on now? You know that it's like, oh, this guy's in the sewer and he turns into a rat. Well, that's not the case. And it's not the rat was the pet of that guy and he gets mutated. That's not the case either. You know, it's a rat that was in a science lab that happens to be there. And, you know, the four turtles that are there happen to be there. All the reincarnation of, you know, this this guy's sons that were killed by this evil ninja clan. So and, and then just like everything kind of takes off from there. And, and with Turtles books, like, you, you got to hold on sometimes because you're like, wait a minute, what's that? Oh, that's a falcon demon and a, and a giant shark named Bludgeon. You know, they're going to bite people now. So you're like, where oh, did must be a Wednesday. Out? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like it, it, it's just like some craziness. And, and like when we get to the latter part of this book and then, then we're looking at like the mutants and it's like, OK, you got Bane, who's a bull elephant and uh, a baboon for um uh, Two Face, like all these mutated things, you know, because Shredder had a pure mutagen bomb and stuff like that. And it's like Penguin is a penguin, you know. You know it's like some of this stuff is just so on the nose, don't you think? But it's just so <laughs> it's just so much fun, and that's that's one of the things that I love about these books. It's just like it's fun. It doesn't have to all make sense, and that's that's what I love about comic books. Yeah. Well, I mean. Those same stories can can be translated and transliterated to, you know, other mediums if, you know, treated with care and done well. It, you know, I, I think I think we've lucked out with having a version of that for TMNT. And now the other half of the comic that we just read, Batman, is is due for it. Not not a, a goofy, you know, slap your knee, funny Batman. Yeah. And not like a oh you know you might not want the kids to to see this this Batman show because it's gonna be bloody and brutal, like let's find that let's find that middle ground and have it be something you know let's have some tongue in cheek stuff let's have the double like the double layers like where the kids get it but the adults get a little bit more of it and you know that's also the kind of thing that's rewarding for a younger audience if they ever revisit it later in life because they're like oh my god i didn't even realize that's what they meant you know like that batman is is a character with enough of a supporting cast around him that this is entirely viable especially when you consider like the people in his life as both bruce wayne and batman alfred for one i mean i oh, yeah. I, I can only like I think one of the best ways you could approach Batman, I mean, uh, Alfred in Batman, something like that would be honestly like Jeremy Irons in the the most recent movies. Um, I thought he, his approach to the character and how he regarded Bruce was 
perfect. You know, he, he knew what he was doing. Clearly a man who, who is all about the shit that needs to get done, but also is definitely perfectly willing every time to chide Bruce for not going out, not eating well, not sleeping enough. Oh, going, oh, you just, you just got hurt. You have three broken ribs. Yeah, no, no, no. Put on that tux and go out, stupid. <laughs> like that's that's exactly the kind of way that alfred should be it, 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 i don't think he should be as dry as like mm, yes very well sir your other car sir yes. yeah. <laughs> no alfred would definitely like bruce is well versed in alfred's sarcasm and, oh yeah you know like he's heard it his whole life and that's the thing i would love to see is like Alfred straight up being like a British smart ass. Like, oh, no, no. Good idea. (laughs) You do that, Bruce. I'll be here with the medic kit ready. I think think it was season one of the animated series who had uh, the original voice of uh, Palpatine from uh, Star Wars. Clive Ravel was um, was uh, Alfred and just just that one uh, season. Really? Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Isn't that weird? Like such a weird crossover. Two Star Wars folks in Batman animated series like that. Neat. But yeah. So uh, overall, uh, this this book I really enjoyed. It, um, it. Funny enough, I I have owned the movie for a while. Um, I did not have a chance to watch it before the show tonight because there were there was a power outage in my city for several hours, and it really put a, a cramp in my style. Um. But I really want to check out the continuation. There's, what, two more books for this? Yeah, there are. There's two different series. And, and then the Animated Adventures series, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely want to check out books two and three. And I'll, I'll dip my toe into the adventures because, you know, I already have, like, a backlog of comics that I need yeah. to get through. I was just thinking I probably do, too. Just, like, pile on. Like, yeah, I can, I can let me buy some more backlog. shit that I'll never read. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we will wrap things up then. Uh, so uh, I want to thank everybody for watching or listening. And uh, you can learn more information in the show notes. And uh, as I said before, my name is Leo. I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, i got about 40 shows on a network. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. And you can head on over to thedorkening.com for more information and also the latest episodes of all the shows there. And Justin, last thoughts on the book, and where do you like people acting uh, following you? That's uh, a great book. You should you should definitely pick up the uh, the collection. You can get it in um, hardcover or softcover. Also, check out the uh, webpage of the artist uh, Freddie E. Williams II, FredArt.com. Go check it out. He's got original artwork from this series and the subsequent series for sale. So a great guy too. Uh, we had him on the podcast. The podcast, Epic Tales from the Sewers. Check us out. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available, especially on the Dorkening. And just remember, much like uh, the Ninja Turtles, Leo is our leader too. Aw, and then hey everybody, um, I I enjoyed the book. I've said that several times. <laughs> so if uh, if it sounds like something that you would like because you like Batman and or the Ninja Turtles, I highly recommend it. If you are on the fence because you're not sure if you like one or the other, check the book out. You'll probably like it. It's pretty damn good. Um, other than that, you know, you can check me out um, on social media at on Twitter at Brandon's Powers, on Instagram at this Brandon has powers. Um, come on over to Facebook and check out the Powers Combined Group. Uh, just a bunch of dorks getting together and sharing info, news, memes, laughs, good times to be had by all. 
our number one rule there is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted immediately. Um, you can find me every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Dorkening Podcast Wednesday night show. Uh, and I am here every two weeks with these guys talking about Batman and you know, any Batman-related subject matter, uh, as well as um, the Comics Paradox podcast we do on the other side of this, which deals with alternate reality takes on uh, comics and characters that you've probably known about for a long time from Marvel, DC, and any other publishers. We look at uh, things like Elseworlds, What Ifs, and as well as story arcs like Amalgam Comics. So keep your eyes uh, eyes peeled and your ears open. I don't know if you can peel your ears, but you know, you're welcome to try. <laughs> peel them ears. <laughs> yeah. Catch you guys later. Bye. Bye, Have everybody. A good day.